0: It's time now for The Complete Story with Rich Bott and Evan Fowler, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now here is Rich Bott and Evan Fowler with today's Complete Story.
1: Eben, we're having a great time here at the Values Voter Summit in Washington, D.C., meeting some wonderful new friends as well as some longtime friends. And right now with us here at the uh, the studio, with, with uh, the studio, kind of on, studio the on the floor, that's you right. hear some of the noise in the background, right. right here on Radio Row at the Values Voter Summit is Dr. Gregory Seltz. And our listeners know him as the speaker on the Lutheran Hour that's broadcast. That's right. So, Dr. Seltz, welcome to Complete Story.
0: Wow, it's great to be with both of you guys here, as always, love being with the Bot Network.
1: And that's such a familiar voice. Of course, the Lutheran Hour at 8 o'clock in the morning, Sunday morning. And what a wonderful time to have you on the program here, because this month is the 500th anniversary of Martin Luther and the 95 Theses on the Wittenberg door. Tell us about that.
0: Well, that's great. I mean, actually, the last three sermons on the Lutheran Hour this month are from Wittenberg. I'm speaking where Luther spoke in the churches that Luther spoke in. And we're celebrating that incredible thing of bringing the gospel of grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone to the world of his time, but of course, it's still being preached today. Now, you
1: just kind of brushed over that, but I want <laughs> I want our listeners to understand the the significance of that it's because it, it happened then 500 years ago, and yeah. we're still benefiting from that today.
0: Well, so many of our liberties today—that's what we're talking about here—really uh, go back to that day of Luther. Luther brought back. The religious liberty, the, the eternal liberties in Christ, but it transformed the world in which he lived too. Personal liberties actually have flowed from that as well. So the whole Western world was transformed no, no. by the o- gospel.
1: O- October thirty first. Sometimes we think of that as Halloween, yes. don't we? No,
0: yeah. the Reformation? What, what? Yeah, I know. Tell us about that. <laughs> well, for the Lutheran Church, it's the Reformation. It's celebrating our heritage, but our heritage is really that message that Luther rediscovered. Well, I think it's for the entire Protestant Church I, I as agree, well. I agree. I yeah. agree. But at the but same time, you know, we we you take special pride in that. We special pride. But again, it was it was the message, and like you yeah. said, it's the message for everyone, and it transformed the world in which we live, and it transforms the hearts that we have before God.
1: So you said the, the, the messages for the last three weeks on the Lutheran Hour have yes. been from Wittenberg.
0: They've been from Wittenberg. We recorded them there. Uh, one was spoken in St. Mary's. Uh, I got a chance to preach in the Castle Church, and also the Lutheran Church has a uh, chapel there as well.
1: So Luther was a was a monk. He was a Catholic yes. monk, and simple man. Studying the Bible, he felt uh, under conviction for some of these practices that he he saw were at At odds with what the Bible taught.
0: He was actually serving his community. He was acting as a pastor in Wittenberg, and then he started to realize people were buying forgiveness, Uh indulgences, and he said, this is very destructive to their relationship to God. And that drove him into the Scriptures and pastorally to find the answers. And it made him
2: rather unpopular. Uh Well, it it, it undermined a lot of things that were going on in the culture. Why why (laughs) 95?
1: 95 theses. These were questions that he wanted to debate and discuss. Yeah, and,
0: and that was the way they did things back then. It wasn't a protest. It was really just saying, here's something that I'm noticing, and, and we need to talk about these things. Um, 95, just, I don't know why the number came that way, but <laughs> That's yeah, a lot, lot of things is, to talk about yeah, it's about a long that, list. That, that false view of forgiveness.
1: Well, thank you for being the host yes. of the uh, the Lutheran Hour broadcast. Uh, what a powerful ministry. We've, we've mentioned a number of times that it was one of the original founding members of the National Religious Broadcasters right. in 1943, but the Lutheran Hour and Lutheran Layman's League actually goes quite a bit earlier than that.
0: Yeah, a lot of our people are saying, why are you leaving the Lutheran Hour to go to Washington, D.C.? And one of the reasons why is Walter Meyer, our first Lutheran Hour speaker, um, they tried to actually knock the Lutheran Hour and all religious broadcasting off the air. Yes. And Walter Meyer actually had written a paper earlier called uh, Jeffersonian Freedom Principles for Religious Liberty, and that was the foundational stuff that actually started the NRB. Uh-huh. Um, so, again, all those kinds of things, fighting for the right to keep this message out there, was also part of the legacy of Walter Meyer. So
1: now tell us about the next steps that God is moving in your life here and why you're here at the Values Vote summit in Washington,
0: D.C.? Right. Um, Well, first of all, just to say also about the Lutheran Hour, it's in great hands. Uh, Ken Klaus is still on the Lutheran Hour, as well as Dale Meyer, who was another Lutheran Hour speaker. But they've sent me now, the church has sent me to uh, D.C., the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty, and they've said, go and be our voice in D.C. We've got to also protect... Uh, our churches and their challenges in the culture. Now,
1: now this is the Missouri Synod Correct. Lutheran Church. Tell us what are the distinctives about the Missouri Synod?
0: Well, we're a confessional conservative church. Obviously, um, we we believe the Bible's God's word. We're a very traditional in that sense, the creedal, uh, the creeds of the church. Um, but what we're also finding is that the government is encroaching on a lot of our liberties in the culture, and so we've we've been a part of a lot of the uh, the battles in the courts lately. And, yes. and good news is that they've protected us. No,
1: well, now you may not feel comfortable saying this, but I, I can say this, uh, but because not all Lutheran churches are the same. But but the Missouri Synod Lutheran Church is among those that have really fought for the Bible and and stood for the authority of the Word of God.
0: We're still a here-I-stand church. Yes. (laughs)
2: So so the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty, you're here in Washington. What are some of the things that you're tasked with doing? What's some of the work you're going to be doing here? Well, the
0: first thing is undergird all the good work that's going on on the Hill. There are a lot of people doing great work. We're here to be a support to them, a spiritual support. But we're also an advocate for almost 3 million people. We're going to be talking about religious liberty. We're going to be talking about things like family and also life. Issues And, of course, we have an educational system. We had 10 universities and lots and lots of schools and preschools. So I'm here to be their voice on the Hill. We
2: have heard some really exciting things about what's going on inside the halls of Congress and yes. with with some of the members in, in prayer and people coming in at the beginning of the week to pray about what they're going to be doing. Right.
0: It's exciting. Well, when I was in New York as a missionary, we had Bible studies on Wall Street. And it's very similar. We're there to serve. We're there to care. We're there to undergird. So, Amen. again, we're coming with that spirit, but representing a lot of folks.
1: And uh, we're going to continue to hear your voice on occasion yes, on the Lutheran <laughs> Hour. I That'll look forward good. to that. Yes, absolutely. Great. This summer, we had a big anniversary in St. Louis for the
0: Lutheran Layman's. Yeah, the 100th anniversary for the Lutheran Laymen's League, too. So 500 years and 100 years, yeah.
2: Wow, it's that's been quite terrific. a year, quite a year. Well, Dr. Gregory Seltz, Executive Director now of the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty here in Washington, D.C., thank you so much for stopping by and talking with us.
0: Glad to join the fight.
2: Well, Rich, uh, we have an opportunity now to talk with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Dr. Gorka has been seen on Fox News for a long time. He was uh, within the administration uh, until recently, and now he's doing a new work. Uh, he's with the Make America Great Again Coalition, chief strategist. What is what's that all about, Dr. Right? Gorka? So
3: you've heard of these evil things called PACs and super PACs? Yes. That represent nefarious interests such as <laughs> you know the oil industry, big pharma, the insurance industry. Uh, this is the world's first ever super a pact that represents the forgotten men and women who voted for the rank outsider last November to shake the establishment to its marrow and to drain the swamp. So whether you're a former registered Democrat, manual laborer in the steel belt of Ohio, or whether you're a, myself, you know, a Reaganaut from the 1980s, this is the place where you can help effect change and support the president. And this is a, a pack that's going to support anybody who wants to run against the swamp dwellers Mm -hmm. and who wants to support the president in 2018. Well,
1: Dr. Gorka, uh, I met with uh, a group of about a 1,000 religious leaders in New York City uh, last summer. And... candidate Trump that was running for president made some promises about religious liberty, mm-hmm. yep. about appointing a pro-life, pro-family, a pro-constitution uh, appointee to the Supreme Court. Yep. And, and these other promises that he has fulfilled. And we are so excited uh, that with what he's doing, there's more work that needs to be done but we're so happy to see the, the changes that, that are taking place. What, what additional things, or maybe you could list some of the things that have been accomplished and then some of the additional things that are yet on the agenda.
3: Uh, I think the best person uh, the, for, for summarizing all of the things that have been done and will be done was uh, Steve Bannon. Uh, we at six a.m. because Steve never sleeps. Call, <laughs> he texted me this morning, and I called him up, and uh, we coordinated. And I said, "Look, I don't want to, you know, repeat what you're going to say. What do you want me to talk about? What should you talk about?" And he just his speech. Check it out. I'm sure it's already up online. Steve summarized everything that we have done in the last eight months inside and outside of the White House, what the president has done from the Paris Accord to UNESCO to, you know, revitalizing NATO. We've had the 47th stock market record this week. My goodness. we, We have increased the value of the stock market since January the 20th by 24%. If, if you ever met anybody who said, give me your money and I'll invest it and I'll get you 24% mm. back, you, you would know that's, that's a flim-flam, that's a, that's that's a right. shell game, right? Yep. No, this is what the president has done. He's unleashed the economy. These are record-breaking numbers. So a, a, what, and, what we're going to do in the future is, you know, everything he promised, build the wall. We're going to, we're going to demolish Obamacare. He's already done it by breaking that state line uh, mandate. So, you know, this, I know it's shocking, but this is a politician who's actually going to promise stuff and then... Deliver.
1: And all of that is important about immigration, about uh, the economy and so forth. Right. But what's really important, I think, especially for our audience, is the fact that he's holding the door of religious liberty open. Yes, abso- and so there, absolutely. there's a window of opportunity for the church to go through that door and do the work of the church. Right. We don't expect the president to do the work of the church, can, but he should protect our religious liberty so that the church can do the work. Let, and, and the Johnson Amendment yes, is a wonderful thing. Massive,
3: huge. Mm-hmm. Can, can we just remind ourselves what happened when the president made that statement on religious freedom, who did he call up to the stage? He called up the poor sisters. Yes, Could sisters you, yes, of the poor. Yes. Right. Yes. Could, can you imagine that in the, after the last eight years? Yes. Oh, this isn't just wonderful. Not just a man who executes on his promises with regards to religious liberty, but who actually gives recognition to the people who, you know, our nation was built on volunteerism. We don't expect mm. Washington to fix things. And one of the most important foundations of volunteerism is the church these are the people who self-mobilize to help the poor to help the sick to help the disadvantaged and the president recognizes them and that's it's a glorious day to be an American. And he recognizes our unique
1: relationship with the land of Israel.
3: Oh my gosh, does he? I, again, I, I love, I, I don't, don't listen to my opinion. I always like to turn people back to the primary sources. Go to YouTube, go online, watch the video footage of the president getting off Air Force One in Israel. Watch the body language of Prime Minister Netanyahu and the, pre- and the president of Israel as they greet the president. It was like long-lost cousins. The, the, the beaming, the, the smile faces, the body language, the hugs after eight years of treating Israel like a pariah, of shunning our closest friend in the Middle East, we are back. We are standing shoulder to shoulder. And as the president said in Warsaw, let's be clear about this. We are not an interventionist uh, nation. The president is not an interventionist commander-in-chief, but he will stand shoulder to shoulder with any people, with any nation that shares our Judeo-Christian values. That's the president.
1: Now, Dr. Gorka, after the election, this is not a time to rest, not a time to go to sleep. This is a time to continue to be engaged in the battle because the battle continues. Doesn't yes, it?
3: absolutely, without a doubt. As, as as Steve Bannon said last year at CPAC, he said, "Most important sentence." He said, "If you think that the establishment, the swamp, is going to give us back our republic without a fight, you are sorely mistaken." And I think 2018 is the pivotal year. The, the Alabama race, Judge Moore's victory, the decision by Senator Corker, who's a travesty mm. in, in the terms of a political cowardice. I understand that Marsha Blackburn is going to be running. Indeed, indeed. This is the year when we send not only a message to the swamp, this is when we change the swamp and we drain it. So don't sit back on your laurels just because you think the president's great and doing great things. Every American has a role to play in making America great again.
1: Thank you, Dr. Gorka. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. And, Eben, we're back here at the Values Voters Summit here at Radio Row. And one of the people we met in the hallway is Pastor Mike Hayes, president of Churches in Covenant, a network of churches across the nation. And so also the founder of the Center for National Renewal in Washington, D.C. I wanted him to talk to our listeners, share with us about what is going on in that arena.
4: Well, thank you so much, Rich. It's good to see you today. And I, I want to give a 10-second a shout-out to Christian Radio. I founded Covenant Church in Dallas 40 years ago last October. I was on Christian radio for 30 of those 40 years. We built a church that has more than 10,000 worshipers every Sunday, and I would give most of the credit to teaching the Word on Christian radio in the Dallas Fort Well, primary. God
1: has promised that His Word will not return void. So if you've been faithful in preaching His Word, God will bring the increase. That's right. And uh, you know what? That's just wonderful because people have a chance to listen to the radio without even darkening the doors of a church. So if they're curious about what the Bible has to say, they're curious about what the gospel is all about, they can just tune in. And once they hear it, then they can say, I need to go to that church or I need to be involved in a church. I need need more. And that's why Christian radio can be a funnel to get people into Bible-believing churches. Well,
4: Well, tell us what your organization does. The Center for National Renewal was birthed out of my concern for the nation. I think we're fighting for the soul of our nation. So what I did is at the end of 40 years after founding Covenant, I turned the church to my son who's doing an awesome job. The church is doing great. So we opened the Center for National Renewal here on 2nd Street right by the Capitol. And the four things we're doing is we opened an intercessory or prayer Mm -hmm. group. Which has grown to three hundred fifty thousand across the nation, and I let them know, yeah, in in since October, three hundred fifty thousand. And so, what I do is I do an update about what's going on in DC, and that here's what we need to be praying about this week, and we're getting tremendous response. Our second word is reconciliation, Rich. Mm-hmm, yeah. We've worked in this arena for 30 years. Our church is very multicultural. Yeah. And this is a problem like in our heaven. nation right now. Kind of like, like heaven. Heaven is kind of multicultural. Kind of like <laughs> heaven. So, we, uh, we work in reconciliation work. Uh, we just uh, filmed a television special that I was invited to at the King Center in Atlanta last week, uh, talking about this because our nation is divided. And I want to just say one word about this, guys, about reconciliation. I came from a I'm a first generation Christian. My parents were not uh, were not raised as Christians and they were saved when I was 2 years old. So there was racism in our family. It was they were not mean people, they were not hateful people, but every joke told was at the expense of some other race and it was just typical activity that people involve themselves in when they're not believers. Mm. So when God broke my heart for the races and showed me Then here's what happened. I went into a place where I believe maybe 100 million Christians in America are at right now. And that is this. I don't hate anybody. So, I mean, that's got to be good enough. It's not good Mm -hmm. enough. I was in a place where I could say, I don't hate anybody. But I didn't realize that God had called me not just to not hate, but to actively work to heal. That's a whole different level. Because love is an action word. It is. The third one is education, and this one is why we're here and why I'm here right now. I do a show of hands at every pastor's conference that I teach at now, Rich, and there's honestly, I was shocked by this. There's never less than 50% of the pastors in a room at a a leader's conference when I say, how many of you have never been to the nation's capital? It's never less than 50% has Hmm. never even visited here. So then I talk to them about the importance of being here. God said to Joshua, Everywhere the sole of your foot treads, I'll give it to you. There's something about walking a place, Mm -hmm. driving a stake in a place. We can't just turn the nation's capital over to whosoever will. Absolutely. We have to be here. Mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. right. All right. And then what's the next? The next next one is influence, which is really born out of that because, like, we have a tour of 40 pastors coming next week. Mm -hmm. When they finish four days of immersion in our history, our roots, Christian, the Judeo-Christian ethic why America is what it is. When they go back home, they're going to get involved in what I I call now influence missions, which is what about our school board. David Barton told me the other day, he had a lady elected to the school board in a city with 15 votes. Wow. Nobody cares about it, but it's important. It is Absolutely. important.
1: So tell us what your what are your impressions now. Is this your first Values Voter Summit?
4: It is. Okay. It well, is the first one. Well, are, how are you finding it? I, I think it, great people have really enjoyed having a booth here and meeting people as they come and go, and I, I have enjoyed it. All I'll right. definitely be back. Pastor Mike Hayes with Center for National Renewal in D.C. Thanks so much. Thank
2: you, guys. Well, Rich, this is going to be the last segment of the last of four programs of The Complete Story from Washington, D.C.
1: And you saved the best for last, Evan.
2: Yeah, you know, I I went out and I found this guy that, that was wandering around on the floor here. His name is uh, Tony Perkins, I think. That's right. This has been an outstanding
1: conference. And the man behind it all is uh, Tony Perkins, the exactly president of right. the Family Research Council and the host of the Washington Watch broadcast, right. which you hear every day on Bot Radio
2: Network. Yeah. We're so glad that you were able to take a little time out of this crazy schedule to be with us.
5: Yeah, I was just standing over there in the corner thinking of what I could do <laughs> next. But uh, it's I great to it. have Bot Radio here, and I want to thank you all for... Uh, being the uh, the host of radio row here at the values voters summit and uh, great to have you all broadcasting this has
1: been such a strategic location for us we've had an opportunity to get some really wonderful interviews that we've shared with our listeners now this is is this the 10th values voters 12th the 12th a dozen i I remember when it started and it was an idea that you had and, and how it's grown and expanded what what stands out at this year's Values Voter Summit, above all the others.
5: Well, it, it it continues to grow and reach more people, and, and this is a uh, a truly a coalition effort. If you look at all of our sponsors, I mean, this is not just the Family Research Council; we're kind of the the engine behind it, and and it was it was our idea twelve years ago. But, you know, we have a, a host of sponsors that are part of this. This truly is a coalition effort of social conservative, evangelical, Catholic organizations that want to make sure that our values continue to be articulated. And these are American values. These are values that made America great. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we heard from uh, President Trump, who came here and spoke, he said, you know, this is a new day. We're going to make America great. And I think he, he came here uh, to communicate to this group because he understands.
1: Well, that that has to be one of the standouts. That's the very first time a sitting yes. president has... Spoken
5: well in the course of the last eight years, we uh, we wouldn't have had the uh, the no, president come and no, uh, no no and, uh, no, no, and no speak here. But he
1: came as a as a candidate last year, and he he, he promised if he won, he'll be back,
5: and, and he uh,
2: kind of promised that he might come back. Yeah, year, he right?
5: was. I was standing there on the wings, and he said, "Now, if I came this year, do I have to come next year? Can Everybody I get a year no. off?" And I said, "No."
2: <laughs> but Tony, tell us about the values. You say
1: the values voter summit. Um, in other words, are these voters that put? Their 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 religious values they're they're ahead of of other right. things. I mean that's it, a
5: that's a good question. This the term actually was given birth um, back in uh, two thousand and six. It was an amazing thing that happened in the, or actually two thousand and four. When George W. Bush uh, won his reelection, there was this uh, the media all of a sudden started talking about values voter. There was an exit polling showed what motivated people in their selection for president, and it was the value set, so they started to call them value voters and and, and these voters we are not monolithic that we only think about social issues like the life issue, the marriage issue, human sexuality, the family. That's not the only thing we're care, we care about. I mean, you've heard foreign policy discussed here. You've heard economic issues discussed here. However, the prism, the the the, the worldview which we see these things are through a set of transcendent values which emanate from truth. And that's the uh, – it's like a Microsoft operating system. It's always in the background, and it's the processing of all of these other Now,
1: George issues. Barna spoke last night, and he had something to say in his research about the people – In the pews, they want their pastor to speak to these issues that they're confronting in society and hear what the Bible has to say. And the Bible has something to say about economics, about taxation, about foreign policy, about Israel, and all of these things, in addition to marriage and life and family.
5: What's called a biblical worldview yeah and, and yeah. how are you going to get it if you're not getting it from your pastor you know uh, your Bible study you know an individual should take this on on their own but pastors should be reinforcing it in the churches our Sunday school literature should be reinforcing it you're not going to get a biblical worldview from MSNBC mm-hmm. now you can get the, the, the counter you see that you say that's not what I need uh, the same thing with CNN even Fox is not going to give you a biblical worldview. That's where the pulpit comes in. And from for, for, for years in this country, that's where people went to get their news and to understand the events of the day according to Scripture.
1: Now, Dr. Everett Piper spoke about um, some of the criticism. Sometimes people say, oh, you're getting too political. The church shouldn't be involved in politics and so forth. And he said the church, his particular denomination, the Wesleyan denomination, was started because of the slavery issue. Right. And their, their pastors wanted to speak out on the evils of slavery. And uh, so... Uh, the same types of things are happening today.
5: Yeah. And that, that is the, the design of, of those who would like to see the church silenced. Yes. Because if you can take the church off the table and it's no longer a factor in our culture and our country, then it allows the left and and the seculars to to have a run at this without any opposition. Uh, That's kind of like the salt losing its savor. Without question. Look, I've I've been pastoring a church for a year and a half, uh, in addition to being the president of the Family Research Council. I'm an interim senior pastor. You're a very
1: busy person. Well,
5: it's been a busy busy run, uh, but uh, that's soon to, uh, I think they now have a pastor, so soon soon I will be stepping out of that role. However, it's a large church, second largest Baptist church in Baton Rouge. And there, there are occasions those say, well, you know, he's, he's too political. Now, nobody will say it to my face. They always say it to somebody else. But you know what? I am not going to listen to the, the, the cynics and the critics. I listen, number one, to God. I, I, I read what his word says, and as you pointed out, his word addresses everything. And I believe we're to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, and part of that work is in the culture.
1: And I bet if your house starts to burn down, you become a firefighter pretty fast.
5: Without question.
2: Well, Tony, you know there's some incredible speakers who've been here, as Rich uh, alluded to, and we've talked to a number of them throughout the programs we've done here. Uh, why do you think it is that folks like President Trump and and others like that come here? Why do they take the time to come here? Because I, as I understand, the president actually had to adjust his schedule so he could be here. Well, number one, because this is a this there's a recognition, and I, I have not uh,
5: yet uh, been with the president in a time in which he did not begin our conversation with the evangelicals love me. I love them. They're important to me. You know, they voted for me, you know, and, and he, he he goes back and he cites the numbers. Yeah. Uh, and that's been multiple times. Um and so he rem- he, he is mindful of the importance Not just in the election of getting into the Oval Office, but in the success of his agenda of remaining in conversation with and having the support of this large block of voters.
2: Well, it's nice. He didn't just, you know, check the church off his
5: list and move on. That's how many Republicans have treated in the past. And I I have seen it firsthand. I go back to uh, the 2004 election in which uh, the presidential campaign made a big issue about marriage, bringing Mm -hmm. in a coalition of African-American pastors and others that we were going to get a marriage amendment passed. The day after the election, that issue was dropped. It was focused on Social Security reform, and we never heard another issue, uh, uh, another discussion about that. That is what causes a lot of pastors, especially in the African-American community, I had those conversations, they said, you know what? We were just used. Yeah. We were just used. I don't get that sense from this administration. It's kind of a new day. It, it, it is. Now, look, we've got to be very clear. And, Eben, you filled in for me on my program. And, Rich, I know the messages on Bot Radio are consistent. They're clear, concise. We, as Christians, understand the hope for America is not found that's in right. Washington, D.C. Right. Uh, it's not found in a state capital. It is found in the truth that comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ.
1: Absolutely. And, and, and Tony, we've been praying that, that the door of religious liberty would be held open. That's the key. And, and then the church can go through that door and do the work of the church. We're not expecting the president to do the work of the church. Absolutely. We're but we, expecting the president to help protect our religious liberties. That's the that's function the of government. That's the
5: bottom line. That is the bottom line. And that's why we are engaged in this process is that we want to make sure that first freedom, the freedom of religion, remains a vibrant, uh, accessible, recognizable freedom in this country, enabling us to live out our faith in the marketplace, in the realm of education, in our homes as parents, and everywhere we go. And
1: we're praying for a Great Awakening-style revival to sweep our land, and that will transform everything. But you can't do it unless you can proclaim the gospel.
2: That's right. you got to pray. you got to proclaim the gospel. And you have to have the liberty to do that. Tony, there are a lot of people who are well-known here who are speaking, but there are also a lot of people who are coming from across the country. A number of them are BOT Radio Network listeners. And I just want to let people know that uh, put this on the calendar for next year, uh, the Values Voters Summit. Get connected with Family Research Council. You all are doing Phenomenal work here. Uh, God has given you a platform and an incredible amount of influence and is blessing the work that you're doing. And. Uh, we appreciate your leadership at, at, at FRC. Well, thank you. I appreciate the
5: partnership we have with uh, Bot Radio Network and able to reach the heartland of America. Give us the website for FRC. FRC.org, dot FRC. O-R-G. Or to stay in touch with Washington Watch, it's TonyPerkins.com. Every afternoon right here on
2: Bot Radio Network. That's right. Absolutely. Well, this has been a great run, a, a great uh, several days and four days for our listeners as they've listened to some of the people who've been here at the Values Voter Summit. Rich, so uh, just appreciate The opportunity to be here with you. You know what? It's been a special blessing for me to see Tony and
5: with his wife and his Mm -hmm. uh,
1: three of his children here with him because it's a family affair, isn't it?
5: Oh, look, our whole family's been involved in this, been here almost 14 and a half years. And my kids have grown up at the Family Research Council. They've grown up at I take one of my kids to NRB and they walk around with me and they come to the Values Voters Summit. And so it's we believe in
2: family and we practice it. And
1: Family Research Council is strategically positioned and located in Washington, D.C., and I don't know of any other organization that does exactly the kind of work that you folks do, but it's very strategic, very important. Tell us just a little bit about the work of the family research. I mean, it's not like you spend all day researching families, but, but what do you yeah, do? Yeah, I had a
5: guy ask me one time, can you help me find my grandfather? That's not the type <laughs> of research we do. We, uh, we, we work to shape public policy as it pertains to families from a Christian perspective. Yes. We're unapologetically Christian. We believe the Bible was, was good enough for for the founders to build a country on, yes. we think it's good enough to guide a country by. And so we work on public policy, it could be tax policy. We, we've, we were the originators of the child tax credit, uh, which now this administration is talking about doubling in the tax reform package. We work on the issues of human sexuality, marriage. Uh, we work in states, we work here at, in Washington. Uh, primarily but we work in state legislatures religious freedom has become the single largest issue that we work on because we believe cuz you know we're pro life we work on life legislation we've authored many pieces of legislation but if we lose our freedom to advocate based upon our christian values
1: and it's
2: been under attack hasn't
5: it it consistently for the last 8 years
2: well, Rich, we've got to wrap it up here. It's Again, it's been great uh, having this experience. And, Tony, thanks again for stopping by during this very busy time for you and your organization. Evan, great to be with you, Rich. As always, great to see you, my Thank friend. Thank you, Tony. God bless you and the work you do. Thank well, you. for Bot Radio Network, this is Evan
4: Fowler and Rich Bot. Thanks for listening.